this morning, what I want to do is hopefully remind you all. If I, I literally, it's like, it's part of our family uh, rule of life, our ritual, that every day I say goodbye to the kids, and then I leave, and then I forget something, so I come back in, because I constantly need reminders, because I'm always forgetting something, whether it's my keys, whether it's my computer, whether it's my lunch. I just need reminders all of the time. So today, what I want to do primarily is just remind you all. Twice in Second Peter, the apostle says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Later on in verse, um, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Beloved, this is the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. So, what I want to do today is remind you of who God is, who we are, and then what we're called to do. That's all I want to do. I'm not going to try and wow you or impress you. I just want to remind you, okay? But, by God's grace, what I hope happens as a result is encouragement. Like what I hope happens is that you and I are both mutually encouraged, that we're strengthened in our faith. Like not the kind that you get when you, you know, you get the goosebumps because they change the key and you raise your hands up. Not that kind of encouragement, although that's a good encouragement. But that in your heart, you leave here stronger than when you got here. Because last time I checked, life is pretty hard. You just walk around and you can just take arrows all day long, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. So what I hope happens is that by the end of the service today, some of those arrows are removed and you leave here more full of faith, more full of strength. So that's what I hope happens today. So uh, in our, our church, what we would do oftentimes is say the Lord's Prayer together. And so I would like us all to do it because, you know, Jesus, when the disciples were like, hey, teach us how to pray, he said, all right, well, y'all pray with me. I'm going to teach you how to pray, and all of the pronouns there all, what do you call it, plural. So it's our Father who art in heaven. So I want us to say the Lord's Prayer today, okay? And we're going to use the these and the thous. We're going to say trespasses instead of debtors, okay? That's just what our church did. I'm not saying it's right. But even when you go into like, say, let's all say the Lord's Prayer together. I'm usually like nervous. I'm like, are they going to say thee or thou? Or like, (laughs) is it thy kingdom or my... So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to end with thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Um, um, so that's what we're going to do, okay? Y'all nervous? I'm so nervous. Okay, well, you're a preacher. It doesn't count. Okay, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass And lead us not into temptation. So, Casey and I, my wife and I, we've been married for almost 14 years. And in our story, there's been lots of times that have been kind of life-changing. None was more life-changing than my, well, maybe that's not even true. Who knows? The most recent big life change happened on October 15th of last year. It was my 41st birthday. And it turns out that I had had a traumatic brain injury. I ended up in the hospital for four days, and they didn't know what had happened to me. They didn't know if it was a stroke or a brain aneurysm or if there's some sort of cholesterol problem or vasculitis or all of these innumerable things that can happen in your brain. And I don't know much about the body, but the brain is kind of important, kind of a big deal, um, controlling things. 
helping you. And so this was a really, really um, interesting moment. It was actually terrifying. Um, when I was in the hospital the next day, um, I got a CAT scan, and the nurse came to me and she said, there's blood in your brain. And I was kind of hooked up and I was kind of loopy. And I was like, what do you mean there's blood in my brain? I know that's not a good place for it to be if it's not where it's supposed to be. So it was very scary. And so we had entered into this just really unknown place, like as if COVID and all of the race stuff and all the politics wasn't enough. And then five kids. It was just a tumultuous time for us. Very unnerving. And so that brain bleed, by the way, I, I'm okay. Um, I, I, I'm fine as far as I can tell. Uh, <laughs> some of my friends, Mark and Casey, may disagree, but um, I'm okay. There's, there was nothing kind of wrong. It was just unverified trauma, just unverified trauma um, that could have you know, ended everything and changed everything, but it was, it was rough. So this really highlighted something that Casey and I were sensing uh, and that in our church in particular. That we're in a time of transition as a body. And this brain breed really highlighted that our church needed to change something. And we weren't quite sure what it was. Um, and we weren't sure how to do it. So we entered into a time of just discernment, of praying and of processing and seeking the Lord. And as a net result of that time of praying and processing, we had our last church service on February 27th of this year. So the church that I planted with some friends and family is no longer there. I deleted the website. You know, we couldn't, I didn't want to pay Google or whatever it was anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of gone. The entity is gone. And so it's just been a bit surreal these last couple of months. And so Keith had asked me to preach and we had talked about it and y'all were in Corinthians and I was like, Oh, bro, sign me up for prophecy. That's my thing. I love the prophetic. It's really exciting, you know, you get to get the people that are like really like staunch Bible people that are like, make sure you do it the right way, and then you get the charismatic people who are like, oh, give me a word. <laughs> so just this section. So, uh, uh, this section's like, I don't know, exegete that scripture. And so, I, I, that's what I wanted to do. And then as we talked, I looked at this, the sermon series that y'all are in about church health. And so, for me, personally, when I think about church health, it's complicated. Because, like, as one of Canada's most treasured artists in the world, this is Avril Lavigne I'm speaking about. She famously sang, why did you have to make things so complicated? So, for me, and for my wife, church is complicated. So, when you talk about church health, it's complicated. Because our church, at one point, I thought was thriving. And now, it's... The entity of Normandy no longer exists. Now the people, the body of Christ, they're just fine. They're, they're moving on to different places. But my current relationship with Christ and the church is a bit complicated because of what has happened. Casey and I have experienced loss of relationships, loss of partnerships, fellowship, our place in the community, uh, both the, the church. Like, y'all don't know me. Like, my people knew me. And, and we knew one another really, really well. Um. Our church, our, our, our place in the community at large was is gone from that standpoint. My family's ability to worship and to be known with a lot of regularity is gone. My vocation, my finances, like the church paid for me to live and I had to find something else, you know. 
And so it's really complicated at this present moment. But, or and I should say, we believe that Christ both initiated the church and then called the church to a close. So it's a strange, it's a strange thing. So I saw that church health thing. I was like, ah, I don't want to talk about that part, Lord. I'd rather just do the prophetic and encourage some people and then like go home. And then y'all be like, oh, that guy's so cool. But now you may not be like, oh, I don't want this dude preaching. The church didn't last. Why do we want him talking? (laughs) You get like a verified blue check, blue check guys that come in. All right. So, so today, uh, that's what I want to talk a little bit about, uh, primarily around the idea of just reminding you about church and about who Christ is. So healthy churches are important. Um, a buddy of mine who's also a church planner, he's in uh, South Carolina, is about to launch a church. Uh, he sent me another article that the world is sending out to people, letting people know that the evan- evangelical church is dying. And I'm like, well, where have you been? I've been saying this since 2016. I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts that are out now, uh, but there's docu-series, there's podcasts on all kinds of churches and their leadership. There's all kinds of YouTube channels that you can find where people are just falling away from the church. They're deconstructing their faith, right? Y'all have heard this phrase, just the church is in this time of transition. Tim Keller, who's a pastor up in New York, was a pastor up in New York. He said prior to COVID, or in the middle of COVID rather, he said, Each church is going to have to significantly change how they do things because of COVID. Like you have to change because you don't know who's there. Like when we were in the height of the pandemic, you're doing church like this on Zoom and you didn't know who was at your church anymore. You didn't know what their needs are and you know what the needs of the community were because our world has changed significantly. The world that we had before is gone, right? Like, it's just different than it was three years ago, four years ago. It's completely different, in my opinion. And so it would seem that Jesus is leading his church into a new direction. And so our job is to just kind of pay attention to what he's doing and then go do those things. And so with all that's going on, it's easy to kind of nitpick about church. Like, I'm sure there's someone here that's got some church hurt. Somebody. Just some pastor blew it. Some minister, you know, they offended you. They talked about race too much or too little. They were too liberal or too conservative, too Holy Spirit or too Bible. I mean, just, just whatever. Just heap it up on the church, right? And so trying to address every issue is fruitless. It's exhausting. It's like chasing your tail. Trust me. Like the amount of anxiety that I put into our church just by responding to every issue that came along was exhausting. It exhausted our people. It exhausted myself, my family. So I'm not here for that anymore. That's because our belief wanes. Our energy rises and falls, right? Someday you come and you're ready to sacrifice all, ready for the key change. And someday you're like, dude, pray another song. Give me some more coffee. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you don't want to be here. You're like, why are we here? What are we doing? And so... For the long-term health of this church and other churches, what I've kind of determined is that we can't base anything off of our spur-of-the-moment emotion, but rather our hope for our church is in the revelation that God's action always precedes ours. Like, we really have to believe that. That's what the Scripture says, that we planted our church because Christ had gone ahead of us and initiated it. And so our action is in response to Jesus. 
what he's doing, we do. Like he, he said this a bunch in the Gospel of John. He just said, whatever I see the Father doing, I do. He said, I only say what the Father says. I'm like, huh. I make up stuff on the fly all the time. And I'm like, I don't think Jesus said that. <laughs> and then he said, you know, like, I do what the Father commanded me to do. And that's it. That's just what he did. And so as a church, that's a lot. Like, you don't have to worry about the church down the road, your mom and dad's church, the other church on Facebook that keeps on trying to get you to come to their service as they put the ads up. You don't have to worry about that. You just got to figure out what Jesus is doing here. Make sense? Yeah. So y'all been in uh, Corinthians, right? It's been good? All right. So... I, I had to do a little digging in the, uh, the church of Corinth just to remind myself about it prior to, because we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 14 eventually. But it was a big economic city on the port. Okay, so Paul probably thought this was a strategic place. I'm going to go here. I'm going to get a church planted here because then the gospel can go out through this port city and people can know about Jesus. Sound good? So just think about um, City Church International Garland. Let's just say that Jesus is the head of the body of the church. Let's just say that he's actually gone ahead of you all, and then he's actually placed you here on purpose. That's encouraging. Like, just for a second, let's just say it wasn't Keith's idea. Like, just let's just say Jesus is like here in Garland saying, I want to do something in this part of the city, and I'm going to get them to gather right here on the corner. Is this Ferguson and 30 right there? Yeah. 635. Look, guys, I get lost all the time, so just don't even do I'm serious. Thank goodness for Google Maps. What did you do in the 80s? Yeah. Maps what? what? Maps I, don't, I don't even know what that is. I was, <laughs> I was born in the 80s. And I don't even know. A fax machine? Hey, fax me where I'm going, guys. <laughs> so this was at a major economic city. Uh, city. Um, Paul thought this was a great place to plant a church. And after a year and a half, he went on. Because that's what he would do. He'd plant a church and he'd go on to the next place. So after a year and a half, he left, and he found that things weren't going so well because they'd had some divisions. I'm like, man, could you imagine Paul alive today? And he would just be like, I can just see him rolling his eyes over and over again as he just gets his Twitter feed and he sees what's going on in the church. So in this church, there were divisions. There were issues with sex, with food, with the gathering, with the resurrection. And so he's writing to address it, as you all know. I'm sure you said that several times over the last couple of weeks. But they had these problems with the gatherings, the weekly gatherings. Some people were having these powerful experiences with the Holy Spirit, and some people uh, wanted to just testify and talk and give prophetic words, and they were interrupting the service as they were going along. So Paul's solution uh, was not to get them to stop praying in tongues or stop prophesying, but rather his solution was to remind them of who God was, who they were, and what they were called to do. Christ's body was to allow the Spirit of God to come and flow through them to do the work of building one another up in love. Going all the way back to the circle at the beginning. I want to build you up in love today. Okay? That's the, that's the goal. So if you have your scriptures, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. And I'll read this. It says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks... In a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him. But he understands, he utters rather mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. 
On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So pay attention to that verse. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. And the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. I mean, I just, as a former Baptist, I think this is hilarious. I just think it'd be so funny if like every Baptist church, Paul walked in and he's like, Hey guys, I really want you to talk in tongues and I really want you to prophesy. And then the Baptist, you know, I'm a Baptist. I, I love my Baptist roots, but I just think that's funny. Okay, there we go. It's a pastor joke. It's a pastor fail. Uh, now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. For the one who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. There it is again. Build up the church. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. Strengthen one another. And so what I want to do today is we're going to get back to this 1 Corinthians 14, verses 3. But in the meantime, I want to remind you a little bit of how we get here. How do we get to this place in the text? So first, I want to remind you of who God is. I want to remind you all of who God is, specifically Jesus Christ. In Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In our world today, it's really, really easy to forget that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is actually in charge right now. Not like then and there, when you die and you go to heaven, that's when he's in charge, but he's actually the Lord right now. Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth right now. There's a dude named Abraham Kuyper, and he says this, there's not one square inch over the cosmos that the risen Christ doesn't say, this is mine and I rule over it. Jesus is the Lord. This is the good news. To me, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. And I, as a former pastor, I'm still a pastor. It still comes out. It's kind of offensive to me. I'm still a pastor. But I need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Like, this is a big deal. Because he said, after having raised from the dead... He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He is the Lord right now of heaven and earth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3 and 4, Paul reminds them before he starts talking about the gifts, he says that Jesus is the Lord. Kairos, master, it means supreme in an authority. As he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, Jesus is Lord over the gifts of the Spirit. He's Lord over the gathering. That's the reminder that I need often. So to remain in health, it's of important to pay attention to what Christ, the Lord, is doing in the body of Christ, in the world, in our own lives. So we try to pay attention. We try to discern what Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, is doing right now. Okay? So Jesus is the Lord, and then our job is to discern what he's doing together. So remind ourselves of who God is. I also want to remind ourselves of who we are, who you are. So we're going to get to the upbuilding part, reminding ourselves that Jesus is the Lord, that he's the Lord of heaven and earth now, and that I want to remind you also of who you are. You and I together are what? We're the body of Christ. The body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized 
Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. And just real quick, like how opposite those different groups were, we, we can't even understand. It's like saying this group is of QAnon and this group is of Antifa. It's like this group is Republicans and this group is Democrats. This group is anti-vaxxer and this group is vaxxer. This group is Biden. This group is Trump. Like, that's what he's saying. He says, you all, this group of people are all one in Jesus. And he's actually the Lord over all of those people I just listed. And now you're a member of his body, the church. Like, that's how opposite Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, that's how opposite they were. And he's now saying that now you're one. That's uncomfortable if you've ever been on Facebook and watched those two people say they follow Jesus and then they go back and forth like a cat just batting it around. No one's been on Facebook. I see. Good. Yeah. And we are all made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member but of many. And if I could say, like in my opinion, what Jesus is doing, what he's doing is he's removing the emphasis off the pastor in the church and in the congregation and giving it back to the people. Like, because we are all parts of the body of Christ. Every single person here that believes in Jesus Christ, that's confessed him as Lord, you've been added to the Lord. You're now a member of his body on earth. This is good news. Verse 27 says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This, this is really good news. It means you have a place at the table. Like, you're not like the appendix that can be cut off from Christ's body. No, no, you've been added to the Lord. You're a member of his body here and now. In Acts, the Acts of the Apostle, it's really the Acts of the Spirit of God, the Jesus is the head. And the people of God. But it starts, and it says, I have wrote to you, uh, O Theophilus, about what Christ began to do and began to teach. So with the Acts, the scripture, the study of Acts is really about what Christ continued to do and continued to teach through his body that the Father God gave to him on the day of Pentecost. So Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then Jesus got a new body, which is you and me. Boys and girls, men and women from every creed, class, and color. And now that they've been born again, they've been added to the Lord, they're members of His body here and now. So if you follow Jesus, then you, you are His hands to, to work with, His feet to walk with, His eyes to see with, His heart to love with, His ears to hear with, and His mouth to speak with. Like, you're now His body on earth. You're His representative on earth. You've been added to the Lord. Whether you like it or not, like if you're born again, like you kind of don't have a choice. That's encouraging to me. I'm encouraged. Acts 5.14 says this, and more and more, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women. See, I grew up in a time when the primary message of the church was how to get out of hell and into heaven. Hey guys, we've got a five point sermon series with 15 points about how you can get out of hell and into heaven. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's literally all we talked about. And that's all I worried about. I was driving down uh, after church one day with my folks in the station wagon because this was in the 80s and it was sick. It had wood grain on the side. I mean, it was pretty sick. I wish we had it still. I would, that would be legit. V8 engine we're driving and they had just bulldozed this par three um, golf course. And they were putting like a Sam's or something there. And then these guys on these go-karts, right? 
because it's a huge parking lot. There's nothing there. Right now, just go-karts. And so I rolled down my window because we didn't have the fancy one. We just had the roll-down one. You had to roll down the window. You didn't have the... You know what I'm saying? Okay. I rolled it down. I was like, you're going to hell. I rolled it back up. And I'm not saying the church really like, that was really the message, but that's what I internalized. Okay. So that's not the message that the angel proclaimed in Acts chapter 5. That's not the message that Jesus proclaimed. Hey, go therefore and tell people how to get out of hell and into heaven. No. Go therefore and tell everyone that Jesus Christ is the Lord and you can come alive, believe in him, be born again and be added to the Lord. You can become a member of his body. You can come alive. And it doesn't matter what age you are, what race you are, what gender you are. You can come alive. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he makes dead men and women come alive through the spirit of God. And then you're added to the Lord. You're given a family. You have a place to dwell. And you have an identity and purpose because of what Jesus has done. This is good news. Added to the Lord. You're a member of his body. The good news of the gospel is not how to get you out of hell and into heaven, but how to get God out of heaven and into you. Because last time I checked, he still so loved the world that he gave his son. Now he's just given his sons and daughters that have been added to the Lord, members of his body. And I need that reminder. I need that reminder. One of the things that I'm most proud of from our church is that we put our money where our mouth was about those verses is that everyone had a place at the table, whether it was on a Sunday service or whether it was at a gathering. We expected the body of Christ to be the body of Christ in our midst. So they had a chance to speak. They had a chance to share. And it wasn't just like, hey, we really want you to serve here. Could you just give your money? And could you sign up for kids ministry, please? That'd be exciting. Can we have a love offering for myself and Nathan today? And then can y'all volunteer to come serve my kids? That's how you can be added to the Lord. No. Oh, we need a, I mean, you always need, I mean, you're a church plant. You need everything. Money, cars, whatever. Just throw what you can and see what happens. But we really believed that each man, woman, boy and girl there had a role to play in ministering the Lord and ministering to one another. It wasn't my job primarily, although I did that, but it was the body of Christ because we've been out of the Lord, members of his body, and that's who you all are. You are members of the body of Christ. So I want to remind you of who God is. He's the Lord. I want to remind you of who you are, the body of Christ. And I want to remind you of what you're called to do. Now, there's lots of things in the scriptures. We'll just go through, turn to Leviticus. I want to talk to you about what to do with uh, mildew. I'm just joking. My Bible jokes are bad, a little rough. Sharing. Are you tracking? There's lots of things that the Bible offers us to do. So I want to use that First Corinthians verse that we were talking about to remind you of what we're called to do as a church. So he's the Lord. He is active. We are his body. And to become a healthy church in this world, our job is kind of discernment. Like, what are you doing, Jesus? Like, what is he doing right now, today? What's he doing in our midst? Not like tomorrow, like in the future, like right now. I think about um, in Genesis when the water uh, uh, over the chaos and over the water, God spoke into the chaos and said, let there be light. So I wonder where the spirit of God is moving in the room. And I wonder who's got the gift of discernment, of encouragement, whatever else that says, OK, I know what God's doing. Let's let's go do that. 
it's really hard to do things that he's not doing. It's a lot easier to kind of flow and follow what Jesus is actually doing in our midst. So as I go through this, this last little part, I want you to turn on and say, okay, what is Jesus actually doing in this room right now? Because he's the Lord of this room. He's the Lord of this church right now. Okay? So let's go back to that 1 Corinthians 14 verse. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then jump to verse 3. And he talks about prophesying. I'm really not even talking about prophecy. I'm so sad about it. You can bring me back next week, brother. Um, When you're prophesying, what you're doing is you're you're, you're sharing something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. It's the real low-key version of it. But what happens when you're encouraging one another, this is what happens when you're moving with the Spirit of God. You're speaking to people for their upbuilding, for their encouragement, and for their consolation. There at the end in verse 5, he says, I want you to do this so that the church may be built up. So, well, I asked you already, and the scripture gives an answer. It's like, well, what do you think Jesus wants to do today in here? Like, yeah, you, it's not really that hard. Like, what do you think Jesus wants to do today, right now? I think, for following the scriptures, it's like, well, he wants to build up the church. Well, who's the church? You are. I am. Who needs to be built up? It's not a rhetorical question. Like, seriously, to be built up, to be strengthened. So, upbuilding, edification. It's like a building. What he's talking about is he's saying, I want to build the foundation of people. I want to see them built up in the Holy Spirit so they're encouraged in love. The foundation of who you are. What I think that upbuilding really has to do with is your identity. Who you are. Who you are. And so when we follow Jesus, when we start to discern what his spirit is doing... Oftentimes, people will get a prophetic word or just even an encouragement that speaks to who they are as a man or a woman, their identity. And it's not like generic, like you are the body of Christ. It becomes really, really precise and really, really specific because Jesus knows us by name. He knows the hairs on our head. And he starts to speak to us about who we are as individuals. And then you and I have a chance to participate and laying foundation in people's lives, speaking into their identity. And this is the thing that everybody in the world is desperate to hear. I mean, there's so many scrolling on the phone. The world is sitting there telling you who you should be. It's so easy to get sucked into all the different noise that's going on. And so each week, by God's grace, you get a little bit of a reminder of like, this is who Jesus is. This is who we are, and this is what we're called to do. So as a church, I think one of the main ways we do this is by building people up in their identity, encouraging It's intimacy. Like, you don't even have to be, like, full of the Holy Ghost to do it. You can just look a brother or sister in the face and say, man, I'm proud of you. I'm glad to be with you. I miss you. Just to build them up in who they are as a man or a woman. Encouragement. Encouragement is like peeling back your ribs and putting strength within. 
It's urging someone to move forward and positively um, persuading them towards a goal. Encouragement is not always appropriate, but when someone's kind of like down in the dumps, you might be saying, hey, you can do it. Christ in you can do it. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep moving forward. My teachers, keep moving forward. He's not done with you. There's no second class Christians. There's no second class churches. He's not done with you. He's still the Lord. He's the Lord over Garland. He's the Lord over this church. And he's pleased with you. Keep moving forward. Keep pursuing. Keep asking. And then, upbuilding, encouragement, and then consolation. Consolation uh, is more like comfort. And it's not like going around and saying, Hey, brother, when I go into the country accent, that's when you know I'm making a joke, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> hey, man, do you know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and call according to His purpose? Are you called? Because I'm not sure, because it's going really bad in your life. But hey, God's sovereign. Keep moving forward. That's not comfort or consolation. My wife and I, we have five kids. We didn't always have five kids. We struggled with infertility for years and years and years. And... Um, we were in a particular place of not being able to conceive and have a kid. And I went to a pastor's luncheon, not the one that we go to, but a different one. And this guy gave a prophetic word. And he said, man, he was giving me some like prophetic encouragement. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. And he said, and he goes, yeah, your name's John, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, man, I really think that there's since that there's been some miscarriages in your church. And I just broke. I just wept. We just found out once again that we were not pregnant. I was really frustrated with Jesus because apparently he's the Lord. I didn't understand what was going on. And all of a sudden, this guy who doesn't know me from Adam's Tomcat says, I think there's been some miscarriages that were going on. And we start, he starts praying. And it, what it was in that moment was comfort. It's consolation. When you're suffering, sometimes it's enough if someone just says, man, I see you and I'm sorry. So the Spirit of God comes and brings that comfort, sometimes through a prophetic word, sometimes just because we cry with people, we weep with people when they're sad. And so that is what I think Christ wants to do in His body as we gather. So that the church may be built up. That's the last part of verse 5. Matthew 16, verse 18 says, I will build my church. Jesus says, I will build my church. He's all about building up the church. It's really encouraging. And you can see where it's confusing as the pastor, former pastor of a church. Because it doesn't seem like our church got built up on one sense. You know what I mean? It's gone. You see that, right? You feel my tension? Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here in Corinthians, he says, uh, when you prophesy, you're going to do this so that the church may be built up. That you all, the body of Christ, may be strengthened and imparted with the Spirit of God. So that you, you leave here, some of the arrows fall out and you're like, okay, this is who I am. I can make it. I can make it this week. I can keep moving forward. It's apparent that Christ is the head of the body of the church. It's apparent that he's the one that does the building. And it's apparent that we are to respond to the Spirit of God when we gather to be built up, to be encouraged, and to comfort one another. We build one another in the good news. We remind ourselves that Jesus is the Lord. We build ourselves up in our identity and so that we actually flow out of love. And so what I want to do is do some ministry time, and I just mean pray for people.